Today, this morning, we're launching into a brand new series that I am nervous about. <laughs> yeah, and I've preached twice today, so I'm a little less nervous, but, you know, no one's heckled me or, or ran out or anything like that yet, so we're good. Um, anyway, we're going to talk about money, and this is out of obedience to the Lord. You know, the worst time to talk about finances is when you need finances. We're not there. This is not like a Hail Mary, oh my God, Caleb, preach about money. They're not giving. It's not like that. Okay, we actually break a lot of statistics when it comes to the church about the amount of people that give and per capita and all that stuff. So this isn't even that. It doesn't even make sense because a lot of our people, the family people, are traveling, you know, and it's like, Lord, why am I teaching on finances, family business when, you know, the family is not even all here or whatever. I don't know. It's an upside down kingdom. I'm just obeying the Lord as quickly as possible. Amen. So. Today, we're starting this series called Family Business. I want to pray. I want to pray for today and for this whole series. So if you just join me in praying really for you <laughs> and just pray, let me say thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you that your word instructs us and guides us and teaches us, and we need it. Lord Jesus, we open our heart to your word today, and we say, plant in my heart whatever I need. Come on, would you pray that? Lord Jesus, plant in my heart whatever I need from your word today. God, let it be from your voice, not the voice of tradition or the voice of Caleb or the voice of man or at all, Lord, or opinion. It would be your word and your word alone. Plant it deep within our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Okay, here's the deal. We're going to answer this question uh, and I don't want you to answer it out loud right now because I don't want anyone to get embarrassed or whatever, okay? Because it sounds like a trick question. It kind of is. Here's the question. Is the church a business? Short answer, no. Long answer, give me three or four weeks, okay? Because we're going to talk about it. The church is not a business, but it is the family business of God. Church is not a business, but it is the family business of God. Listen, the kingdoms of this world are supposed to become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. Did you read that in the book of Revelation? That's in, if, you, if you know your Bible, that's what it says. If you don't know about your Bible, that's okay. That's what I'm here for. All right. <laughs> the kingdoms of this world are supposed to become the kingdoms of God and his Christ. All right. So it's really a problem when the kingdom of God more emulates the kingdoms of the world then the kingdoms of the world are becoming the kingdoms of God and his Christ. Are you following me? It's a problem when our churches look more like, you know, Fortune 500 businesses than Fortune 500 businesses look like the church. I know you're like, well, they don't want it because we're all broke and in debt. I know. Here's the reason we need revelation and the word of God to instruct us, okay? Oh, yeah, it's going to be a quiet room. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen. We're supposed to teach the world how to manage money, not the other way around. The people of God are supposed to convert the world into the kingdoms of God and his Christ. The kingdom of God and his Christ. Okay? So it's a problem when we call the pastor a CEO and take the world's model and put it into a church. Okay? That's a problem. I am nobody's boss. I don't have employees. I'm the lead elder of the resting place. I'm the first to die. I'm the bottom on the rung. I'm a part of the foundation of this church. If I do this right, I shouldn't even have to show up. And the Lord of glory does, and we're good. If I do this right, we build on a foundation. Eventually, you don't see the foundation anymore. That's, how, that's the plan, okay? But look at the flow chart of most churches. This is not a dig. I'm just speaking the obvious. It's like 
pastor CEO at the top, CFO, you know, COO, and then all the way down the tree. But it should be upside down. It's an upside down triangle, okay? The greatest among you will become the greatest servant, not CEO. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> I'm right about these things. <laughs> I hope you're all right. I just have to watch your faces every now and then because I get it. There's been trauma with money. There's been trauma on this subject. It's one of the most abused subjects in the church. Yeah? You seen that? Have you heard that? Yeah, okay. Here's the deal. I'm supposed to be the one serving you. No one here serves me or my vision. We all serve the Lord and his vision. And nobody sits under my teaching. I come underneath you and instruct you. I support you. You don't support me. No one volunteers at my church. That's why that word is the V word. I hate it. It's a four-letter word, volunteer, four-letter word. I hate that word. We're serve team members. We have serve teams. We serve on teams. There's a reason for this stuff, okay? You're not serving me. You're serving the Lord. I'm serving you. My job is to wash your feet. I'm just to become a better foot washer than anyone else here. That's how it's supposed to work. That's the family business of God, led properly, as I see it in the scriptures. You know what's really sad? Oh, Caleb, don't say that on live stream. <laughs> ah, I do this to myself all the time. It's okay. Hallelujah. I'm going to say it. The sad thing is I couldn't find a good church model to start this church from. I couldn't find one that fit the Bible. <laughs> it's the sad thing. So I just used the Bible. Instead, <laughs> so win-win, but pretty heartbreaking, you know. I was told a lot of things that I'm not going to tell you now, but this is the family business of God. God is building a family, and that's his business. Yeah? Okay. Here's a question. Was Jesus a businessman? Is Jesus a businessman? Yeah, well, let's think about it. You know, you might know him as the carpenter from Nazareth. Hashtag, that makes no sense. Just so you know, I've been to Israel 10 times. Go to Nazareth with me and look for the trees. There are none. You know what they have? Rocks. The word carpenter in the Greek is the same word for stonemason. They do, they go with me. They'll say it. They're like, we don't know why you Americans think he's a carpenter. We don't do carpentry. We do stone. We work with stone. I mean, they have, ar they have uh, archaeological proof. You know what I'm saying? Jesus was a stone worker. He still is a stone worker. He's working on stony hearts this morning. He's the corner stone. He's building a temple of living stones. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Now, this was his dad's business, okay? And any, you know, Jewish culture, any good Jewish man, when their father passed away, would take up the family business. And many scholars believe that Joseph died early in Jesus' life. Okay? So, Jesus would have run the family business. Making houses and roadways and highways and byways and all of it. You know what I'm saying? Any, I think this is amazing that people think Jesus is broke. I don't understand that. He had a treasurer. You know why you need a treasurer? Because he got treasure, okay? <laughs> the reason nobody noticed that Judas was stealing from the money bag was because there was so much money in the bag, all right? Seriously, the minute you need someone else to take care of and track your money, you got a lot of money. 
Yeah. You remember Jesus taking up an offering every time he ministered? Remember that? No, me neither. What happened? Three and a half years, he self-funded his ministry and fed at least 12 teenage boys every day. Think about that. What's the budget on feeding 12 hungry teenage boys every day for three and a half years? Do the number. He worked 30 years and was a successful businessman so he could fund his three and a half years of ministry. He walked in not needing anything from anyone ready to give. Become the greatest servant. He said the Son of Man has not come to be served but to serve. He came to give, not receive. Why is the church always asking? I'm not talking about this church. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about you. I'm going to make no apologies today. So if it hurts, good. Get convicted. Be therefore convicted. Okay? Because it's going to get worse. But I just said, I'm easing you into this. Okay? They gambled for his seamless tunic at the cross because it was expensive. He owned a house in Capernaum. Stop saying Jesus was homeless. You don't read your Bible, apparently. If you think Jesus is homeless, you've not read the Gospels. It said he went home to Capernaum. He went to his house in Capernaum. He grew up in Nazareth, so why would Capernaum be called his home? Because he had a house there. He probably built it. He knows how to do that kind of thing. The book of Proverbs repeatedly exhorts the church, the people of God, to be successful in business. Hello? Have you read the book of Proverbs? That's Jesus' book. He wrote it. So is Jesus a businessman? Absolutely. Is this the prosperity gospel? You're preaching that prosperity gospel preacher? No. No. I'll quote my friend Jim Baker, 1K, no Tammy Faye, if you know. If you don't know, it's okay. He said this, there is no such thing as a prosperity gospel, but the gospel is incomplete without prosperity. I know the plans I have to, for you. Plans to definitely not prosper you, make you broke and have no future. No. No. Listen to this. This is from my friend Jim Simbola, who leads the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Tabernacle. He said, you can be in the very center of God's will and all hell can be breaking loose. Just ask Paul. Both of those quotes are true. So your bank account is not an indicator of whether you're in the will of God or not. Your net worth is not an indicator of whether the Lord is pleased with you or not. That has nothing to do with it. It's about your heart, right? And God wants to prosper you, but the path to your prosperity might not be what you think it is. Ask Joseph, right? Coat of many colors, right? Had his 11 brothers, sold him into slavery. He went into the pit. And then to Potiphar's house, got falsely accused. And then the, the prison, all that happened before he got to the palace. So you might go through the pit, Potiphar's house, the palace, or the prison before you get to the palace. But God still wants to prosper you. His plans are not to harm you, but to prosper you, give you hope in a future. Yeah? So what does it look like for us to contribute to the family business of God? Because God is building a family, and that means we must be busy contributing to the house. Let me say it again. God is building a family, so we need to make it our business to contribute to the house. Contribution of time, yeah? Talent, treasure. Where would we be without these amazing musicians and, and the people serving your children right now and the people running the live stream? You know what I'm saying? Where would we be? Like, we would not have the impact we have. You would have your kids in your lap. Is gratitude rising in anyone's heart right now? 
I'm thankful for TRP kids. My son's wild. Okay? I'm just telling you. Contribution of time, talent, and treasure. Here's why. We're called to be givers in the household of God. Amen? You're called to be a giver in the household of God. I'm going to make no apologies. If you're wanting one, you're going to be waiting a long time. Okay? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7 says, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest. But the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Now, stingy and generous have nothing to do with amounts. Jesus watched the people give. And he watched the rich give a bunch out of their abundance. And he watched the widow give the little tiny bit out of her lack. And he said she gave more than all of them combined. It's not about the amount. It's about your heart. It's generosity. The spirit of generosity isn't about how much you give. So you can't even wear that badge. Yeah? A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. We have this on our banner over here. It says, we believe in the cheerful giver who gives out of conviction from the Holy Ghost. Why? Because if you're giving out of religious duty, we don't want your money. Please go give to somebody else. I'm telling you, if you give because you think that buys you favor with God or God forbid, things that buys you favor with me, stop right now. I might give you a refund if it's the second one. You thought you bought favor with me. I might. <laughs> no, not a chance. I've proven this. My integrity speaks for itself. You do not move my needle with your giving. I don't even know who gives what. I don't look at who. I make sure we have what we need, and we're well provided for. Amen? Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely. Say freely. freely. From the joy of giving, all because God loves, a, loves hilarious generosity. God loves hilarious generosity. I love that. Here's why. True sons and daughters contribute more than they consume. True sons and daughters contribute more than they consume. You know, Titus talks about waterless clouds at our love feasts. He's talking about people who look like they're a part of the family, but they're not. There's one tell where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. <laughs> Wolves in sheep clothing. Yeah, I know how to sniff them out. They never give. Doesn't mean if you haven't given, you're not, you're a wolf. Come on, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying true sons and daughters contribute more than they consume. You gotta ask yourself today, am I contributing more than I'm consuming to the household of God? I'm not even talking about giving to the resting place. I'm talking about the household of God. Are you with me? Okay. <laughs> sort of. Ephesians 2, 17 through 22, I'll prove it. It's talking of Jesus. It said, he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Say household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Hello? In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's talking about the whole church. Yeah? We are a heavenly household built in the Spirit 
for the Spirit to dwell in. Get this. We're a heavenly household built in the Spirit for the Spirit of God to dwell in. A heavenly household is a healthy household. What would your house be like if you or anyone in your family came, ate, and left? Would that be a healthy household? You have people in your family that just consume, 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 consume. Never give. Never do a single chore. Never take out the trash. Never help with anything. Would that be a healthy household? Why do people get away with it in the household of God? You hear that sound? It's the sound of conviction. I want to be a healthy household. You know, I give here. I know that might confuse you, but it's spiritual. I, I give my, my family's needs are paid for, are met by this place. I take a salary and I give here. I know that might confuse you. It might not make dollars and cents, but it makes perfect spiritual sense to me. I'm going to give. I require my leaders to give. Number one way to get out of leadership on my team is you're not giving. I'm not talking about amount. I'm talking about faithfully giving to the household of God. I love moments like this. I love them because I feel the pleasure of the Lord. I do. I feel the Lord is so pleased right now. A lot of you are not pleased, but it's okay. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm just saying this is a hard word. And there's been a lot of trauma. I said it. There's been a lot of trauma around money, man. People have abused money. But you know what the worst thing to do with an abused child is? Neglect them. So the worst thing you can do with an abused concept is neglect it. We need to nurture this thing back into health. Yeah? I see a day where the church has 100% participation. It's not about the amount. It's about participation. Let me help you, church. We're supposed to lead in that. The resting place is supposed to lead in that. And people are going to come to us and say, how did you get every regular attender to give regularly? It says, we believe in the cheerful giver who gives out of conviction from the Holy Ghost. We don't even pass buckets. <laughs> they got to work to give. We put hurdles in front of them. Because conviction will, will walk a mile. Conviction will jump over something. If I make it too easy on you, it might not be conviction. Hello, beautiful wine rep family. Oh, my God. Sorry, I haven't seen them in months. Welcome back. Welcome home. I'm sorry. Love you. I know we're live streaming. I couldn't help it. Anyway, love those two. Man, it's good to see you. I'm trying not to make a joke right now, but he's a handyman. He builds stuff and... <laughs> talking about building a healthy household. <laughs> anyway, listen, a heavenly household, say this with me, a heavenly household is a healthy household. If we're being built into a heavenly household, we need to be healthy. We need to be contributing 100% contribution. Amen. It's not about getting more stuff. It's not about bigger buildings. It's about the ability to contribute in greater measure. There's only 120 seats in this room. Okay. I plan to contribute in greater measure than that. I'm preaching four times today at three different campuses. You think I just like to do that? No. I'd rather just want it done, bro. You know what I mean? Like, 
sweat, get nervous once, walk off stage, be done. But I get to endure until the end and therefore be saved tonight at 7.30 p.m. after Wesley Chapel. You know, I'm, this is like, because we want to multiply, you understand? We're stewarding, we're looking at what's in our hands so we can multiply it. That's what we're gonna talk about in this series. We're gonna talk about tithing. We're gonna say what it is, what it isn't. We're gonna talk about Jesus kicking over the money changers tables, what that meant, what it doesn't mean. Come on. We're gonna talk about the parable of the talents where they had 10, five, and one, and they multiplied, one didn't. We're gonna talk about all this stuff, okay? It's like, I know where I won't be for the next few weeks. <laughs> it's okay. Listen, this will help you right here. We're called to serve God, amen? Our money is called to serve us. You're called to serve God, and your money is called to serve you. Listen to this, Matthew 6, 19 through 24. It says, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Let's say this slowly. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves. Stop. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves. People use this verse to say, see, Christians should give away everything they have. They should never have nice houses, two houses. Oh, they're definitely a heathen, you know? No, it says don't keep hoarding for yourselves. Meaning, where's your heart at? Earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Just so you know, you should look this up. If you're a saver for a long time, long-term savings is long-term losings, just so you know. In dollars, you save a dollar amount for 10 years, you have less at the end of 10 years than you did at the beginning. You do. That's, you, I just go Google it. You'll believe Google, not me. It's okay. It's fine. We need to be making wise investments, stewarding to multiply. We're going to talk about all this stuff. Material wealth loses the value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen, will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? How could you worship two gods at the same time? If you have, if you, or you will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. If you have to ask money permission to obey God, then you cannot serve God. I'm going to say it again. If you have to ask money for permission to go on that trip, to give to that person, to serve God, you can't serve God. Either God's enthroned on your heart or money is. If God isn't enthroned on your heart, the spirit of mammon is enthroned on your heart. That's the word used in this verse. Money here is not the normal word for money. It's mammon, all right? And this is wealth personified, okay? This is the spirit that gives you false, a false sense of security when your bank account is full. You feel more content in God on the 1st than you do on the 14th or the 29th or when that bill comes due. What grounds your heart, your bank account or the blood of Jesus? You need to ask yourself this question. Are you serving money or is money serving you? 
if money, listen, this is a hard teaching. Who can hear it? I know I'm preaching like Jesus now. I'm dwindling the herd. If your money is not serving you, you are serving your money. The church needs to get this. If your money isn't making money, we are making money for money. We are serving money or money is serving us. That's the only two options. I know you're like, how does my money serve me? Stewardship, investments, use of your time, talent, and treasure. A lot of you are leaving a lot of resources on the table that God is trying to shove in your hands. But because of your limiting beliefs, because Jesus was poor and all this other garbage, you're like, no, no, I have enough just for me and my three. You know what my friend Jim says about that? I just need enough for me and my, you know, me and my family. I just need enough. He calls that selfish. He, I'll say it how he says it. He said, you selfish pig. You're saying, oh, just you to heck with everybody else, huh? You know how much need there is around you every day? Imagine the church so full of resources and so grounded in the love of God that a need comes across her path and she can meet it every single time. Imagine. Imagine. You know what that's going to take? 100% participation. It's going to take our hearts being grounded in heavenly places. Not in, you know, J.P., Morgan and Chase's. I don't know. I'm being silly with you right now because I need you to laugh a little bit because they're scaring me. I care about your heart. I do. I don't even need you to give. You need you to give. You need to release it. What is it? The, the old adage that a lot of people in the West, it's like in the, um, in the medieval times, men would get baptized with their sword out of their water or sword out of the water. They hold their sword out of the water and get baptized because they wanted their blade to be unsanctified to do what they got to do straight up. They did. They did. It's not a myth. They did. They would get baptized with their sword out like I'm going to serve the Lord. But this sword mm, straight up. And in the West, we hold our wallets. We go down. We... <laughs> I'm going to serve the Lord, but not with my money. Are you kidding me? There's 20 percent of the rest of the church that will do that. I'm, I'm telling you statistics now. 20% of the church is regularly giving. I see a day where there's 100%. 100%. not the amount. Are you with me? Okay. Are you serving money or is money serving you? Listen to 1 Timothy 6, 7 through 10. It says, isn't it true that our hands are empty when we came into the world? And when we leave the world, our hands will be empty again? Because of this, food and clothing is enough to make us content. But those who crave the wealth of this world slip into spiritual snares. Listen to these words. Those who crave the wealth of this world slip into spiritual snares. Don't tell me money isn't spiritual. It's the spirit. That's right. Where was I? They, those people who slip into spiritual snares, they become trapped by the troubles that came through their foolish and harmful desires, driven by greed and drowning in their own sinful pleasures. And they take others down with them into their corruption and eventual destruction. Loving money is a root of all evils. Listen to me. This is so misquoted, okay, that money is the root of all evil. No, no, no. The love of money is the root of all evil. 
Loving money is the root of all evil. Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith. Craving more money pushes them away from the faith into error, compounding miseries, misery in their lives. Listen, the love of money is the root of all evil because it replaces the love of God. You cannot serve two masters. If you wake up and the first thing on your mind is your bank account, you need to pray. Not for your bank account, for your heart. Because you're under the influence of a spirit called mammon. I'm just telling you the truth today. If you feel better when you get paid, you need to pray for you. You need to get prayer at this altar today when we close. It's not okay. That thing is choking the life out of the resources the Lord wants to give you. My friend Jim says this to you. He says, you cannot confuse the source with the resource. Your job, resource. Your talents, resource. Your time, resource. Your treasure, resource. God is the only source. When we confuse the source with the resource, we call money God. It's our source. It's our provider. Yeah? Come on. If you can't sing, great is your faithfulness when you're broke, you won't sing, great is your faithfulness when you're rich. He who is trusted with little can be trusted with much. The love of God is the root of all evil because it replaces, I'm sorry, the love of money is the root of all evil because it replaces the love of God. Every evil thing comes from that. Every evil thing springs from there. That's true. He said, look at Judas. So here's the recap. We are called to contribute more than we consume in the household of God. Say amen. We are called to contribute more than we consume. You need to ask yourself today, are you contributing to the household, the family of God, the capital C church, more than you're consuming? You need to answer that with truth in your heart today and do something about it. We're called to serve God and our money is called to serve us. But if we're serving money, money will never serve us. Listen, if you're working for the weekend, you're serving money, y'all. If you have to, have to ask money permission to obey the call of God on your life, you're serving money, not God. I love you. I do. I hope you can tell I'm not mad at anybody or freaking out or anything. Yeah? You need this. We don't love money. We love God who is our provider. He's our source of all things. Say our source. He's our source of all things. Jehovah Jireh. Amen. God is in the business of building people. This is the family business of God. He wants to build you into a person who is whole. He builds people who are whole. Nothing missing. Nothing lacking. That's what shalom, peace. That's what it means. He wants to build you into people who are whole. He wants to build you into a person who is kind. Come on. You know when you're the least kind? When you're stressed out about money. Oh, no. I run into somebody at the store or out in the public, and they're having a really bad day. I'm like, oh, they're probably having money problems. I just, they're probably... Or the problem is they have money on their heart, you know. They have too much money or, in their perspective, too little. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Money's moving the needle. Imagine yourself grounded in God and not caring about your bank account, but having enough to provide for every need that comes across your path. Imagine that. Imagine you being a member of the household of God, able to contribute every moment, regularly contributing. Giving, giving, giving. It's better to give than to receive, but the church comes in, eats, and leaves every single week. Just feed me, preacher. 
feeding me, Pastor. I don't feel fed. I'm here to teach you how to eat. I understand. More than I am to feed you. You only eat once a week. That's a problem. I'm here to make you hungry. Okay? I'm here to give you tools to live in the kingdom. God wants us to mature in this so badly. God wants the church to mature in finances so badly. And if you, feel, if you have debt in here or whatever, you have a lot of debt, there's no shame. Shame off you, okay? You probably got taught into that debt with wrong mindsets by the church. So I apologize. I repent on behalf of leaders and people who did not give you the truth. God wants you to steward to multiply so you can be a blessing in the earth. You know what he's the king of? Kings. And there ain't no thing, such thing as a broke king. There ain't no such thing as a broke king. You're like, ah, prosperity gospel. No, the ability to give. You know what the worst way to help the poor is? Be poor. Listen, you want to influence? You need to own the block. You know what the world listens to? Hey, this is my town. Can't do that here. You know, I'm just... This is me caring for you, just making sure it's the Lord. I want the word of the Lord, not just my opinion, amen? I want what the Lord is saying. I got to say a lot of things right now. Yeah, I feel peace on it now that I checked it. <laughs> Instead of, like, praying at the strip clubs and, and, you know, the abortion clinics and all that stuff, that's fine. You know, you're going to do that? If God told you to do that, okay. You know what's better? Own the land and say, sorry, you can't lease this anymore. You're not going to take advantage of girls in my hometown. It ain't going to happen. I own this piece of dirt. Best way to change the world is to own the block. But we're over here like, oh, how do we raise money for a new building? <laughs> we need to mature in this, man. You know we're supposed to make the Jews jealous? Did you know that? Ain't no Jew jealous of a broke Gentile. Just telling you. Oh, mercy. They don't care. They don't care. You know, more bankers and people like that are Jewish. You know, it, they know what they're doing. We have forgotten that Jesus is Jewish. We've forgotten the principles of God that carry through the cross, like stewarding to multiply. He gives you one, you make 10. So you can give eight away and keep two. Hello? Think about that. Think of the joy in that. You just doubled your financial position. Hello? And you gave a whole bunch away. Four times what you actually kept. But you doubled your financial position. Think of that's kingdom math right there. Did I tell you I plan to be the biggest giver? I do. I plan to be the biggest giver in this church. Sometimes I can't remember which gathering I said what in. So if this is repetition, I'm sorry. I plan to be the biggest giver. I want to know who, one number, one, I have some side hustles, y'all. I'm working on some things, you know, outside. I'm not waiting for you to give me into wealth. I'm not, you know, I, I take a salary from here. I've got some side things that I'm working on. I, I have side businesses. I have things like that. I work at least 80 hours a week. I do. A lot of that's when my family's sleeping. Listen, I plan to be independently wealthy so that I can know one number at the end of the month. I want to know who gave, not who, what, what was the number? Someone gave the biggest number here, and I'm just going to beat it every month. That's what I'm going to do. That's going to be my joy 10 years from now, in Jesus' name. That's my plan. We'll see. Maybe it accelerates. I don't know. I want to be 
the one who gives here. Scott and I, we're constantly entrepreneurial thinking. That's really jo Scott's job. Stay in the cloud and find strategy from heaven, please. I get him out of the day to day. I'm like, no, go back up there and find, <laughs> find ways. He's brilliant at it. He, he grabs things and we're like, oh my God, that's a brilliant idea. Find ways that we'll never have to take an offering again. I want to preach to you, not this church not needing it for the bills. That's what I want to do. Think of it. No manipulation. There isn't any in my heart right now, but I want to be able to prove it on a spreadsheet. I don't even need you to give. You need you to give. We're paid off for the next six months. All of our bills are prepaid. Six months. You don't give. Give. Don't give. I don't know. The Lord deal with you. You're obviously serving mammon if you're struggling to give to the church. <laughs> Jesus, help me. God wants to mature us in money. Amen. Come on, say amen. God wants to mature us in these things. I'll tell you how God matures you with love. God loves us into maturity. He doesn't punish us there. He loves us there. He loves us into maturity. Even the discipline of the Lord doesn't really mature you in the new covenant. It just gets you back to zero. And then you start maturing. It's a correction. It corrects you back into place. And then you can grow in maturity. All right. So he doesn't discipline you into maturity. He loves you there. So today might felt like a chiropractic, you know, the unkind chiropractor who doesn't tell you it's coming. Just crack, just grabs you. Does it? Yeah, it might have felt like that, but you needed it. We cannot hope to love God if we first don't let God love us into maturity in these things. Are you with me? We love him because he loved us. You know, the way I think about it is this. Heaven actually went bankrupt for me. What's better in heaven than the blood of Jesus? Heaven went bankrupt to redeem a people for his own possession. Redeem means to buy back. What's better in heaven than Jesus? So the invitation today is to let the person of love, God himself, into your life to begin building you into all he designed for you. He designed you to be generous, not broke. You know, I'm, I'm going long. You need it. I don't ever go along, but I need to say this. The word saved actually deals with poverty. Did you know this? Sozo, it's used for sickness, disease, poverty, and deliverance. It's used for all of those. So when you're saved, you're supposed to come out of poverty. Because he gives you your immediate design. He gives you your design. I'm not talking about getting nice stuff. I'm talking about you live within your means and you 10x everything you have so that you can give 80% away and live on 20%. Imagine the world. Imagine the world hearing that about the church. They do what? They make so much money that they give away 80% of their income? I need to hang out with those people. The world be like, hey, can you tell me your secret? It's, like, it's Jesus. He's my, he's my accountant. He tells me where to spend it, where to keep it. Did you ask God about that property you bought? Did you ask God about that property you sold? This is what I'm talking about. This is the family business of God. Are you okay? He wants us to walk in righteousness, and it's his job to build us there. He wants us to have his peace. It's his job to give it to us. He wants us to walk in joy, and it's his job to birth that in our hearts. Righteousness, peace, and joy are the kingdom. God's inviting every person here, every person on live stream, into that. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The Psalms actually say it the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. 
So are you a servant of the Lord? That's the only question. <laughs> or are you serving money? Can't do both. So stand with me. This is the thing. Stand up. We're going to have our prayer team come forward. Sorry, I went long. Here's the thing. The Lord is inviting you to break agreement with the spirit of mammon. He's inviting you to let him be the only thing enthroned on your heart. Not your bank account, not your job, not your boss. Are you with me? Some of you need to give your life to Jesus. This thing costs something. The kingdom costs something. It costs everything you are without God. It costs who you are without God. So today, if you haven't exchanged your life for his life, that's the invitation. You can exchange your brokenness, your emptiness, that stress that keeps you up at night. You can exchange that for the life of God today. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, here's what it looks like. You die today in the spirit and you come to life. That's the opportunity to lay down your life and take up his. It's not Jesus incorporated. It's not invite Jesus into my financial planning once a week. No, it's Jesus is my plan, is my life. I end today and he begins. And guess what? Jesus promises to give you life and life abundantly if you follow him. He doesn't need you to follow him. God doesn't need. He doesn't need you to give. God doesn't need. You need. You need. So we're going to do a couple of things. Everybody close their eyes for me. And we're just all going to pray for a breaking of that spirit. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do this for us, okay? Many of you, when I was talking about the spirit of man, and I saw it in your eyes, you're like, oops. Yeah. So let's all pray together. Pray, Lord Jesus. Come on out loud. By the power of your Holy Spirit, I ask you, come now. And I reject the spirit of mammon. I disagree with that lying spirit. Money is not my source. You are my only source. And no one can take better care of me than you. I trust you to provide for me. That is your name. Provider. Not just my needs, but my dreams, my goals. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have not given your life to Jesus, if you have not let the Lord love you first, you can't love God. You cannot apply anything I said today if you haven't given your heart to the Lord. If you haven't given your life to the Lord. So don't even try. But don't leave this place without talking to one of these people. That's your opportunity. They will start a conversation with you. And they will talk you through what that means. And they'll just tell you what it's like to follow Jesus. Amen. So if you need healing in your body or agreement for anything else, they're also here for that. Okay. I'm going to welcome up Pastor Scott. He's going to close us. Come on. Welcome up Pastor Scott. <laughs>